The Bulldogs have released their promo for the fresh season Unleash, Unleash More in 24. So it's got this lovely convergence of all different age groups and demographics. They're gripped by tension at the start, that tension that footy fans know so well. And then the Unleash comes. It felt like not a bad metaphor for where you'd be a couple of weeks out from the season. The Bulldogs chief executive, Amit Baines, is with me in the studio. Amit, welcome. Morning, Jared. Thanks for having me. Are you in that? grip of tension, just wondering is the first half of your promo. Yeah, oh, absolutely. We get our opportunity to have a hit out against Hawthorne on Friday at Witten Oval. And I think we're all waiting for that. The players certainly after a, a long and arduous preseason are ready for that as, as are we. How would you describe the, the actions of the off season from the, the finish of a season, which didn't meet your expectations to saddling up again? Uh, significant is the word that comes to mind. Uh, obviously, um, a lot of change, a lot of um, reflection and, and analysis looking back at um, the season and, and perhaps, you know, more than just the, the previous 12 months. But uh, obviously, as you had outlined, disappointment with how the year finished and, and probably the last two seasons post that 2021 grand final. What did you prescribe as the, as the issues? Yeah, well, I think um, taking a step back, it was important to outline the process that we wanted to undertake um, to both determine that and then to implement any changes from that. Um, so there was a lot of um, discussion around that. Um, you know, the board had a significant role to play in that. Um, Kylie Watson-Wheeler is our president, led really strongly um, on that. Um, and then obviously Luke Darcy is our football director, was heavily involved. Um, and in the immediate aftermath of the season, uh, it really was an internal look at, at how things um, went. I think the the fact that we failed to make finals when it looked like uh, for most of the back half of the year we would and, and the manner in which I suppose we lost a couple of those um, late season games, including West Coast at, at Marvel, um, forced us to be a lot more introspective, um, you know, quicker than we might otherwise have been. And, and from that process, there was obviously a lot of personnel change, um, some of which we initiated, some of which is organic at that time of year with, with people departing to, to other places. Um, and then, um, you know, what you're confronted with in that moment is really filling those gaps. Uh, you're in a, an incredibly competitive environment. You don't have the luxury of, of waiting to get all of your ducks in a row, I suppose. You, you need to go to market and, and get the, the best people you think can fulfill the roles that you need. So that was really the first tranche of what we did. And obviously everyone then goes on their break. It's an extended break after a really long year. Um, and the discussion that continued um, around the board table and certainly with Kylie was um, the need to take a look at the, the off-field component of what we do and, and particularly um, you know things like structure process, uh, culture and environment and um, bring in someone with um, an independent view who was experienced in, in all of those areas and, and Peter Jackson was our person. So um, the initial phase was um, ultimately making about a 30% change to our full-time program staff and um, separate to that, obviously the player list uh, changed to under the leadership of Sam Power and Don Molesi and we turned over eight players, so about 20% of the list. So there was a significant amount of change before Peter even set foot in the door. Did you contemplate the external, the independent element to the first portion of the review? Well, I think um, 
given what I reference in terms of just needing to act really decisively when you had gaps uh, to fill, um, you, you don't necessarily have the luxury to wait. Um, I think what was important though was for Peter to take a look at what we had done um, and albeit it was a short space of time in which a lot of the new people had started, make a determination on how they were going and, and what we needed to do. And I think pleasingly for us, there's a really strong affirmation of, of what we had undertaken. Um, obviously a couple of tweaks around around personnel and um, probably a, um, an underlining of, of how right a decision it was to bring in someone like a Matt Egan um, for him to have had a, a role elevation after three months. That yep. was probably the most significant personnel change that came or structural change that came from Peter's look. In either of the two reviews, how pointed was the assessment of Luke Beveridge's coaching? Oh, well, I think um, the you know in, in both aspects, we're looking at everything to, to do with the football department. We collectively finish the year um, in a really frustrating and disappointing way. And everyone takes ownership of that, you know, um, from myself and the role that I can play in um, providing leadership to the football department in that um, broader sense, right through to whether it's a senior coach, um, head of football players, everyone's got to take a look at um, the role that they play and, and how we can all get better because we, we firmly believe we've got, um, you know, the right ingredients to, to be successful, but clearly a few things had gone amiss. Has any part of the change undermined Luke Beveridge's hold as senior coach? Uh, no, I, I would say it's actually um, increased the support for him and, and his ability to be at his best. Um, I think one of the things that we need to acknowledge as a club um, with some of the structural um decisions we've made uh, coming out of COVID is that perhaps we didn't get everything right and providing an environment for, for not only Luke to be at his best, but Chris Grant for our players, for, for other staff was to, to provide more support, um, both in terms of personnel, but uh, also how we structure things and allow them to most importantly, be able to focus on what it is that makes them their best. And in the case of Luke, um, you know, he's got an outstanding track record that's really been underpinned by um, a really savvy football mind um, and an extraordinary depth of relationship with um, players and staff. And, um, you know, one of the key things coming out of those reviews and, and certainly Peter's review as well is um, providing an environment where he gets the opportunity to do that. Um, and that's on us to help him do that. Has it been delicate with him? I think it's been delicate with everyone and, and particularly in that phase um, last year where there's a lot of change and, and uncertainty, um, it's it's human nature, I think, to, um, to be really anxious about what's coming next. And um, when we all felt deeply disappointed about it, there's a, there's a personal ownership of that. And I think, you know, one of the absolute hallmarks of, of Luke as a coach and a person is his care and how much he cares. So um, no doubt that was an element of it. And like anything in life, until you've got those roles filled and you know what you're working with going forward, um, there's always going to be a level of anxiety. Is Matthew Egan's position a buffer between Chris Grant and Luke Beveridge? Uh, I don't think it's a, a buffer in the sense of, um, uh, I think, where you're asking in, in terms of what's required between the pair. It's certainly uh, a buffer in terms of what the program needs, and that's to have another senior leader within the football program. And um, typically we've had that um, pre-COVID, you know, Graham Lowe fulfilled that role many years ago. Chris Maple um, performed a, um, a version of that. So it's something we've had in our structure before, the, the characterising it 
characterization of Matt's role is a bit different again, but having someone senior that can play that role, um, given the breadth of how um, football programs have gone, not just in the men's side, but the women's side, which obviously we've um, undertaken quite a bit of work on as well. So I think that that role as a buffer in a functional sense um, is really critical, but that's to take up the load to then allow, you know, people like Luke and Chris to perform on, on um, what makes them the best at their job. Is there a tension between the two of them? Uh, there has been, um, you know, in, in many quarters, I think just generally within the department, going back to the previous question about that uncertainty, but, um, you know, I was on record, um, a couple of weeks ago, dismissing some of the suggestions about there being, um, a blow up and an unworkable, um, uh, breakdown and, and things like that. I think that's grossly exaggerated. And to the extent that, um, you know, some of these tensions existed within our football program, even more broadly, um, it's fair to say that, um, that was last year and coming back into the new year. And I know we'll talk about, um, the season to come. It's been incredibly positive. Um, I had the, the privilege of being on our, training camp up in Malulabar for eight or nine days. And, um, I saw a really different program in terms of just the excitement, the energy, the enthusiasm. And, um, I think the process that we've gone through, um, albeit it has been quite, um, protracted and, and has involved two stages has actually allowed, um, for a lot of the people who have been at our club to, to almost have a cathartic experience. I think talking about it and, and getting things off their chest with a view to then seeing what changes come from that. Um, and then just really looking forward and, and having confidence in, in each and everyone around them. Have the senior players been an active part of that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the strength of the leadership of um, certain players within that, obviously, marks is a, a standout and continues to get recognised by his peers accordingly. Um, but others, you know, like Tom Liberatore's elevation to vice-captain, which is an outstanding story um, for him as well, uh, is also a reflection of, you know, the growth that he's had in his leadership um, and, and through the process of the off-season, he, he was also a very strong voice. So will it... Um there's the, uh, all the planning and the assessments and the change. Will it stand up to the, to the first shake once you, once you start playing? Yeah, well, we hope so. Um, I guess none of us will really know until those games commence, but, um, you know, we feel really positive about the direction we're headed. Um, the, the preseason that we've had, um, I was just speaking about injuries, you know, we've had our, our share of those and, and Bailey Smith was obviously a, a really, uh, sad one for us pre-Christmas, um, but but things are in shape otherwise. And I think going back to your very first question, we're just really excited about playing opposition, which starts with Hawthorne this Friday. It feels a little bit like, so you've stripped away all the, um, all, all that you found that uh, the reasons, so some would say excuses, but the reasons you've stripped all those away. So there's there's no reason now not to soar to where you expect to be. Is that is that a fair observation? Yeah, oh, look, we're excited. I, I think the the reality for us um, is that we know we need to improve, and and for us, improvement necessarily means playing finals as the first step of that. Given we missed out last year, and we know we're capable of that, and I guess that's why we were so disappointed at the end of last year. Um, so that's absolutely the focus to to play finals and to go as deeply as we can. Um, but I think some of the lessons we've learned around that is to to really just. Um, focus on the more immediate future as well and um, 
just control what we can in, in the short term. And um, it's a long season, as we know. There's yep. the extra round with gather round and um, it's exciting from a fan point of view. But um, the, the build-up that's required to it and the sustained performance that's required over such a long year, I think, requires us to take a, a more measured approach week to week. Do, do you hold to the philosophy that you think you've got a top four capable list? Oh, I think we've got a really capable list. Um, I think, you know, not going to be drawn um, this year into to making prognostications specifically on on what that looks like. Um, but as history has shown, you know, once you get into the finals and get on a roll, that's, that's when you give yourself the best opportunity. So um, for us, really, given the way last year finished, we just need to, to make the eight and, and go from there. Amit Baines is the Chief Executive of the Western Bulldogs here in the studio. So the road ahead, some of those players, the AFLW appointment and the, the reopening of Witten Oval all with a meet coming up. Melbourne's weather, partly cloudy, a top of 29. This summer be prepared for extreme weather and sign up for the SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify. Unleash more in 24, the Bulldogs membership campaign. Actually, was on the Today Show a little earlier on. Amit Baines is in the studio. What are your membership levels uh, a few weeks out? Yeah, we uh, surpassed 40,000 members last week, um, which is in the quickest time that we've done, um, which is great. So very grateful to the members who have jumped on board early, uh, targeting to push through 60,000 for the first time. So on track for that, um, but really need the push to come from here. How big a landmark would that be for the club? Oh, it'd be uh, exceptional, uh, I think, just given the growth of the club over the last few years, um, but really uh, a reflection of the strength of our fan base as well, who um, have obviously enjoyed some good times in the last decade, but um, you know, it has been a bit of a roller coaster at times. Does that push back against the idea that the fan base has been agitated? Uh, no, I think the two concepts can coexist. I think... Um, as we've spoken about previously, I think one of the, the positive things about the fan base agitating is that they care. Um, and from that care comes the investment and, and the passion. Um, and I think that's what we've found. Um, you know, we've been rightly challenged at different times by our fans, but they've still stuck by us in a, in a membership sense, which we're really grateful for. You've got the weirdest preseason schedule. You play Hawthorne in both the match sim and the practice match. We do. We do. And um, that peculiarity has come about, I think, through a different um, mix of circumstances. So obviously the introduction of opening round means teams start a bit earlier. Um, and then depending on whether you're traveling, what your training schedule looks like leading into round one, um, I think it was left a, a bit like the dance where Hawthorne and ourselves were looking at each other going, well, it's it's us two again. So yeah, we'll play them on Friday um, in, in effectively an elongated match sim, uh, and then the official preseason game Saturday week in Launceston. Does it, is that a disadvantage? Do you have any view on whether that's awkward? Uh, well, I think, I think the, the club will take a, a different approach to how it does both games. And, and the first game is, as you will have already seen from the Melbourne Richmond game, um, is played across a number of periods to ensure that all of your players get a run. So uh, it'll be a bit more fluid, um, first up and then the, the game in Launceston will be a genuine hit out for, for round one. Separate to Bailey Smith, have you had a clear run at the preseason? Yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, a few niggles here and there. I think um, the the most significant one was Jack McRae, uh, who's obviously had some some hamstring tightness. So you know he's touch and go for for this week. Um, probably doesn't doesn't get up. Um, but outside of a few niggles and a couple of longer um, rehab players, uh, Riley Garcia coming back from from shoulder surgery, we've been pretty good. Touchwood. Does Bailey Smith's injury, desperately unfortunate 
that it was. Does does it complicate the recontracting process? Um, it, it possibly does. It possibly simplifies it as well in the sense that um, there's going to be no football played, obviously, um, or you don't expect there to be any football played across the year. So um, the different variables that go into to making decisions about um, your future and the contract and things like that, a significant one's taken away. So um, we'll continue to um, you know, navigate that. I think our primary want has been to support Bailey obviously, um, through the, the rehab and the first few weeks and months are the most challenging part of that, particularly once games start playing and, and you obviously have the, the sense of missing out. Um, but I know Sam Power um, is in regular contact with Paul Connors uh, around that and would obviously love Bailey to stay. Did you have any thought around, well, here's the security blanket. Here's the, we'd love to sign you now as you embark on your rehab. Yeah. And, and look, they've been um, conversations that have been um, in train and, and and certainly something that has been referenced from our end as well. Um, I think the the exclusive focus almost has been getting through this initial phase of, of rehab and um, clearing some of those significant physical hurdles first and foremost. Um, but that is something that we're keen to do and um, yeah, definitely want Bailey at the club beyond this year. Does the Norton super contract have ramifications for the next two, Tim English and Jamara Ugelhagen? Uh, I, I think it does um, by definition, um, given that the salary cap is is a, a finite bucket of money. Um, but I don't think it impedes our ability to contract either of those players um, in the manner that we want to or, or feel is appropriate. Um, they, you know, are, are really significant contracts to, to get done. Tim had a, a terrific breakout year last year and was all Australian and Jamara's trajectory continues to, to rise. So, um, again, Sam's been pretty busy, um, in those conversations, uh, with Andrew McDougall, um, on Tim and, and Robbie Durazio on, on Jamara, but, um, both, uh, have, have indicated that they want to stay. So that's the, the starting point and, um, we just need to get contracts done now. Do you worry that they'll run the length of the season or do you have a degree of confidence that, you know, you might be able to bring them to fruition, say before halfway? Uh, we'd certainly love to to do that. Um, the possibility is that they can um, drag out. I think the only um, reason they would would be around term and tenure as we, we get into the nuts and bolts of what that looks like. I think the, the starting point of, of the want of both club and player is really positive. So with that being the the, um, the starting point. You hope that it can get done in a, in a timely manner, but there's always a possibility that it, that it drags out. And, um, I think what we've seen as more of a trend in, in recent times as well is that, um, some higher profile contracts have taken longer to get done. And I think ultimately becomes a, um, a choice for the player and how well they're coping with it and, and how does their football go. Some tend to cope really well and it has no impact. They just go out and play their footy so they can um, compartmentalise it. Others, it starts to, to weigh on their mind a bit and um, it becomes in the interest of both parties to get the deal done sooner. So um, we'll, we'll see where it lands with both. Do you worry that the manoeuvring of a rival club, say in the Norton contract scenario, was sort of deliberately done to try to squeeze one of the other two out? Uh, it's it's possible. Um, in, in a broad sense, um, they're, they're similar players. So um, I know that, um, you know, we're perceived to have a, a surfeit of um, talented young talls uh, at the moment, just through the, the way it's fallen with um, father, son and NGA, obviously in recent times. Um, 
so we know we've had approaches um, for for players at different times. So I, th- I think it's probably a combination of genuine interest in in trying to get a player like Aaron, um, as it is with with either Jamara or Tim now. Are you unrepentant about the length of the Norton contract? Yeah, I think you've got to take a case by case um, assessment to that. I think what doesn't get known or shown in our sport um, is what the terms of those contracts look like and um, what spread where and what the average of that contract is. Um, the length can be deceiving um, at different times, not to say that that Aaron's is in that category, but I think um, taking a, a black and white approach to it um, without all the information is not quite right either. The AFLW program, so Tamara Hyatt has been named as as the new coach. How how extensive was the work in that program done, given that you're one of the foundation teams who had success and um, and you'd fallen to where you'd fallen to? Yeah, so, I mean, that was the, the other part to what's been a pretty um, busy off-season as well and, um, you know, what Chris Grant's had to lead through, I, I suppose, uh, in, in a separate sense. So we had a, a really... Um, underwhelming AFLW season, different factors for that, obviously some injury uh, where we couldn't field uh, a team of listed players in the last two to three games. But even prior to that, um, our performances weren't great. So um, a significant amount of change uh, was made. And um, again, um, you know, if you look at that, um, senior coach, uh, GM of women's footy, head of player welfare. So three of the four or five full-time roles in our AFL women's program were changed. Uh, so that that process has been very extensive. Um, I think there was a, a little bit of early pressure to try and get some of those roles filled pre-Christmas, um, which would have really truncated running a, a proper um, and thorough process as well. So we've taken our time a bit um, to make sure that we um, could fully canvas all the different candidates and get the, the person that we really wanted and um, thrilled to have landed tomorrow as of last week. How difficult is it in the AFLW setup at the moment to rapidly rise, to change your fortunes quickly? Um it, it, it can turn pretty quickly, and I think Sydney uh, are a prime example of that. Um, you know, un- unlike the men's, perhaps, uh, games can still be influenced by a critical handful of players. Um, so turning turning your fortunes either through recruiting or player availability has, has a significant impact. Um, chance on on your fortunes and and Sydney yeah you know finishing second bottom or or bottom the previous season to then playing finals are probably the prime example of that um, I think again with a very young list um, the the real focus for us is on improving and you know turning a one win season into to many more wins and, and how how deep into that process did Daniel Ladley go into yeah. the coaching process? Yeah, look, there's obviously a lot of public speculation about different candidates and, um, you know, to protect the the confidentiality of the process and those involved, I don't think it's appropriate to comment. Um, But what I would say is that we did have a number of high profile candidates that were keen to to come in and work at the club and um, in the end, Tamara was the the standout. And she's had the successes at Melbourne um, over a long period of time to bring that experience across. Yeah, absolutely. Been in that program for the last four seasons, worked very closely with Mick Stanier, who's obviously um, been a, a very successful senior coach and um, has close relationships with a number of the players there, including someone like Daisy Pierce. So it brings a lot of uh, valuable learnings across. So the state of the Bulldog Nation as we head towards Friday. So Friday afternoon at Whitnoval. Yes, uh, Friday morning. So Friday we'll morning. play. Um, I'm actually not sure how many periods we play <laughs> uh, across the across the day, but uh, kicks off at 11 a.m. Um, 
into um, notionally a second game at 150, but as I said, I think it's pretty fluid. Um, and then for for the Bulldogs um, fans and members, uh, we have a season launch that uh, kicks off at about four o'clock uh, in the afternoon where um, a lot of family-friendly activities, the players will be presented to the crowd, um, jumper presentations, uh, an opportunity to hear from um, the senior coach, Luke, and, and also the president in Kylie. So hopefully a really exciting day. Uh, how close to finished is Witten Oval? Uh, in the home stretch now. Um, most of the, uh, the the performance facilities have come online and um, the last big stage is the, the Witten stand, um, which contains a lot of different facilities, public-facing facilities like our shop, um, cafe, museum, uh, but also the office space for the for the non-football staff. So I'm um, hoping that uh, end of April um, into, into May will be the completion date and um, we look forward to, to extending the opportunity for our fans and members to come and visit. Terrific, Amit. Thanks for coming in and uh, and answering the questions of the off-season. Thanks, Jared. The Chief Executive of the Western Bulldogs, Amit Baines. Here's Nathan in the newsroom.